God is good. And all the time, I almost feel like just having prayer and eating. <laughs> all right? Um, phew. Um, I'm going to ask Brian Shedd to come up here and Connor and Pastor Isaac, uh, if you would. And um, I'm going to ask, you know, because I, I failed to do this when I was in the baptistry, but... But I know that there are people here who came to support Brian in his baptism today. Would you just stand for him and his family today if you're here for them? I know many of you came. You are loved. <laughs> so, Brian, it's official. Okay, it's official. Don't lose that. I won't. Because if a cop pulls you over, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you always have to be able to show your That's right, that's right. No, but... Uh, Keep track of that. Uh, and a little gift for you. A little bit of reading for the journey. And uh, again, thanks for letting me be part, part of your story with Jesus. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Pastor John, we have some people that I need to invite up here. Um, I mentioned earlier that Connor had a group of friends that he studied with and, and several of them that have grown up with him from the earliest crater roll division all the way up now into youth. And this is not my typical Sabbath attire, but I assure you there's meaning in community. And when your students ask you to do something, the only answer is, of course. <laughs> These socks have special meaning, and we've been, they've been planning on doing this for a while. And if you guys want to come on up, these socks inside, where in my shoes where you can't see, it says, walk by faith. And then on the back, it has the letters, um, with letters, uh, in I, J, and P, which is in Jesus' name we play. And wherever they go, whatever they do, that's their commitment to do it in Jesus' name. And so these guys, Jeremy and Emma, wanted to present you with a gift. We all have our socks on. Church family, will you welcome Connor into your church? I love you. I was getting a little nervous with Isaac in those socks. I said, I know I'm getting old, but oh man, what are they wearing these days? <laughs> but I knew if Isaac was wearing them, there was a story behind it. And so there you go. So I appreciate Isaac's ministry to our, our kids and our young families. He's always in it with them. And it's just awesome. Um, yes, and, and Joanna, I mean, that we just need to have you call for the offering every Sabbath. <laughs> Hands down, right? It's true, you know, you want the water to be warm. And you know, baptism is a, a symbol of being buried in Christ and being resurrected in Christ. And um, um, I was doing a baptism one time with a, a teenager. And at the church I was at, the water heater was not working. And it was ice cold, ice cold. I was so glad I wasn't going under that day. And uh, I'll never forget it. I'll never, ever forget it. And I warned him it was cold. And we're standing there, and he's like, uh. And I went to put him down underneath the water. And as soon as I got him underneath the water, his hand came up out of the water, grabbed the glass, and yanked himself up. <laughs> it's like coming back from the dead, you know, just <laughs> up there. 
I will never forget that. And then you usually like, you know, embrace him or give him a hug and he pulled himself up and he jetted out of there. He's <laughs> off following Jesus somewhere, I guess. I don't know. I'll never forget that. <laughs> uh, well, camp meeting's over and I'm a bit sad, you know, to not have the tent here and the, the hay and the smell of it. And as I came in this week and saw the tent gone and then the bells of hay gone and, and sweeping up, pe- people sweeping up, I was like, well, I've had another wonderful camp meeting, but have to wait again. So a little postpartum there, if you will. Um, but uh, today, I want to jump into a passage, um, and uh, I don't want to keep you too long, but we'll probably go about 15 minutes. So if you're hungry, just, just hang on, okay? Um, I want to look at a narrative in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and I want to preface it a little bit by saying, um, if you know Jesus, we've already said this, he's really good. The, the strength that he gives for life, the courage that he gives, the love, the mercy, the compassion, the grace is unbelievable. But I also want to say today, and let me explain this because it might sound strange, Jesus also is not safe. Okay? He is a safe haven. He's our sanctuary. He's everything that means life to us. But when you follow Jesus, he doesn't feel safe sometimes. Because he will always lead you into places that will challenge the strongholds you have in your life that are not rooted in him and his kingdom. And that can be scary. So today we're going to look how, how Jesus did that to Peter. If you have a Bible in front of you or a device or want to look up at the screen, feel free to do so. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or also Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've we've worked hard all night long and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now imagine whatever your profession is. I don't know what it is, but whatever your profession is, whatever it is that you do well, that you spend all your time doing, imagine you completely failed at it. I mean, this is a fisherman, a professional fisherman, who's used to catching lots and lots of fish every night. And you've been out fishing at night and you don't come back with one fish? One fish. I mean, it would have been bad if he came back with 10, right? It would have been bad if he came back with 100, maybe even a few hundred. But they didn't come back with any fish. Zero. And it wasn't like they just put out the nets and just kind of talked all night. He says, we worked hard, and we didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, but put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus is sneaky. You notice that in your own journey? He's sneaky. 
He's always thinking so much more further down the road than you or I are thinking. You know, there's Jesus. He's, he's talking to this crowd. They're pressing in on him more and more, and so he needs a little bit of distance. And so he asks to get in Simon's boat, and, and Simon's like, sure. He gets in the boat. He's there just to push off so he can talk to the crowd. Peter had no idea what Jesus had in mind after this. I believe Jesus knew, he's very intentional, that he got into Peter's boat and then tells him to push out into the deep. Peter's thinking, I'm tired probably, I've been up all night, I want to go home. He's sitting in the boat, listening to Jesus speak. And then he thinks, all right, he's done, he's done teaching. Let's, let's bring the boat back in, let's wrap it up, call it a day, go home. But Jesus, in Peter's boat, says, let's put out into the deep, put down your nets. See, when Jesus gets in your boat, you better get ready. And let me tell you, when Jesus gets in your boat, you are not prepared for what's coming next. Nowhere close, because you don't even have even an inkling of an idea of what he's up to. And Jesus gets into Peter's boat, and he tells him to put out into the deep, and he tells him to put down the nets. And I love what Peter says. Even though it makes absolutely no sense to Peter, no sense whatsoever to go back out there where they'd been all night, especially in the daylight. Peter says these words, and it starts with my favorite word. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I don't know what's going on in your life, but right now I sense Jesus is up to something and you may be aware of what he's up to, but you're, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Today I want to encourage you to say those words that Peter said, but because you say so, I'll do it. Because you say so, I'll do it. Doesn't make any sense, Lord. Verse 6 says, When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When you follow Jesus, things start falling apart sometimes. You ever notice that? What do you mean? I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I, I have eternal life. It's, it's supposed to be smooth sailing from here to eternity. No. When Jesus gets into our life, the things in our life that are not eternal will start falling apart. Yeah. And the things that are eternal will stand. And there are so many things, and let's just confess, preacher, pastor, parishioners, let's just confess, we are too easily tempted to put our faith into the things that are temporary than the things that are eternal. We are too easily tempted to put confidence in things we can see and touch instead of the eternal things that you can't see and touch. And Jesus says there's only one thing that will last, and that's his kingdom. And when he gets into our boats, into our structures, into our boxes that we prepare for our life, and all the little things that we think are the safe way, things that keep us safe until Jesus comes back, and we let him in there, those boxes start to just blow apart. And we start thinking, what's wrong? But Jesus says, I know the plans that I have for you, for a future and for a hope. And the things you're putting your confidence in, they're not going to last. They're not going to satisfy you. 
Look at, look at the problems that happen. They get so much fish, so many fish, that their nets are breaking. Now, if Peter's a decent businessman, he's going, Jesus is ruining my business. <laughs> What's it going to cost me to repair these nets? I got all this fish coming in, but my nets are breaking. Next thing you know, his boat's sinking, right? His and his partners are sinking. You're thinking, my business is going down the tubes. But now you've got all this fish, so many fish. And then I love verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished or terrified or afraid at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Just picture this scene with me. I was, I was having fun just kind of in my imagination this week. The fishing boats of the first century were about 26 and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet deep. That's a good-sized boat, 26 and a half feet. How many fish do you have to have in that thing to start making it sink? A lot. And there's Peter. Imagine him going to Jesus' knees, but if it's full of fish, it's probably up to here in Jesus. And Peter goes down into the fish, probably up to here on him now, wrapping around Jesus' knees, just realizing what an amazing person this Jesus is. He senses, he knows that he is in the presence of the divine God because he recognizes his sin. Go away from me, Jesus. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You see, when Jesus gets in your boat, you learn more and more about your sinfulness. But the amazing and wonderful thing is that as you see more of your sinfulness, you experience more and more of the love of God for you. You begin to understand even more the depths that he's gone to to forgive us of our sins. You begin to understand more and more how many times he's had mercy on you and compassion, how long-suffering he has been, how patient he's been, and how much he wants to save us from ourselves. And there is Peter. Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And I love Jesus' words to him right after that. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He was terrified. That word in the, in the Greek for that word, astonished, also means like to freeze up. <laughs> You've ever been in that position where you were so terrified and so awe that you just, you froze like you could hardly move? That was Peter. Yet Jesus says, don't be afraid. He says, from now on, you will fish for people. Leave your nets behind and come fish for people. I want to share with you that word where he says, fish for people. Sometimes we think, well, how do you fish for people? Usually when you fish, you catch the fish, it dies. <laughs> we don't want that to happen. What does that mean? Well, let me just share with you, technically speaking, that word in the Greek, and I, I just want to pull my notes out so I make sure I get it exactly right. That word is a word that means for saving persons alive from danger. It's the same word used in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament 
where it's used to save persons' lives from danger, catching and taking alive. So when Jesus says, come fish for people with me, come with me to help save people from danger. But when that happens, God leads us into deep places. And sometimes we think, you know, well, if we're going to reach people and Jesus is calling us to go out into the deep and we think evangelism and that, and that is obviously very important. But let me tell you, the most, uh, most powerful evangelism is when you're living your daily life with Jesus in those deep places. And when you're in those deep places with Jesus, it often brings other people around you. You have no idea what he's doing in their lives and things happen and people start to learn about Jesus. People learn they can trust Jesus with their lives. There's a little process I see that happens here, and it's, it happens regularly in the Christian life. And this is it. It's real simple. Jesus calls us to trust him. You know that song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way? It's true. Trust and obey. Somewhere in your life, Jesus is asking you to trust him. Saying, trust me on this. Obey me in this. And when that happens... It's not safe because the Christian life will always lead to a cross. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross and follow me daily. But see, I say it's not safe, and yet it's the greatest thing known to humanity, that when we trust God and we obey him, there's a cross involved, and that cross means we get to die more and more to self and become more and more alive to God. But the other great news, because that's not the end of the Christian story, that with every cross and every death in Jesus, there's always resurrection. Always. And I found in my own life and in the life of many of those I, I travel with in this journey that that seems to be an ongoing process. Jesus invites me to trust him, obey him. That will always lead to growing more in humility and more less of self, more of him, a death somewhere in there, and then there will be new creation. And then it continues on and it continues on and it continues on to hopefully by the grace of God, there's less of me and more of him. But it happens in those deep places when we put out into the deep with Jesus. Recently, I was reading uh, from NPR's website and they found, discovered that there was a man in the Philippines who had a 75-pound pearl. 75 pounds. We're going to put it on the screen for you. 75-pound pearl. Now, it doesn't look like that perfect pearl you, you might buy in a jewelry store, but that's a pearl. 75 pounds. And uh, I want to get the details here for you. 75-pound pearl would be 170,000 carats. Okay. Now, back in 2003, they said that the world's largest pearl was 14 pounds, valued at $93 million. Whoa. So how many millions is this pearl? I have no idea. You business people, math people, you can figure it out. I didn't take the time to figure it out. But that's a lot. This man found it 10 years ago and hid it under his bed. Can you imagine? I love that. I, I try thinking this in my mind. It's like, how do you sneak that in, right? It's like, oh, you know, get it under the bed. He kept it under his bed for a good luck charm. Till 10 years later, he finally decided to, uh, 
to share it with the government, and the government now has it on display, you know, uh, there in the Philippines, as I understand it. But I just share that with you because Jesus told the story, right? The pearl of great price. And obviously, Jesus himself is the pearl of great price. And we look at this 75-pound pearl and go, wow, that's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. But Jesus, and knowing Jesus is beyond, way beyond any price tag, isn't it? Knowing him deeply and profoundly, trusting our lives with him, is the greatest thing we can ever have. And church, the people around you that you work with and that you live with, that you interact with, that don't know Jesus, want to know him. Let's not keep Jesus as a good luck charm. Let's not keep Jesus as our safety we rely on. Let's let him into our boats. Let's let him break our boats apart. Let's let him lead us to places where the nets are tearing and, and the boats are sinking. Because in those positions, all you have to hang on to is Jesus. And he's the only thing worth hanging on to. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess this morning that you are enough. You are more than enough. And while we praise you and thank you that you do bring us great comfort, peace beyond understanding, true meaning for this life and the life to come, forgiveness for our sins, mercies that are new every morning, we praise you for that. But Jesus, we also want to thank you that you don't let us stay quote-unquote, safe in the boxes that we try to create for ourselves in this life. So would you come into our lives today, come into our boats, come into our boxes, come into our own personal little strongholds and have your way. May we trust you, Jesus. May we trust you with the little things that just don't make sense. May we obey you and let you bring new life into our lives and the lives of those we travel this life with. Jesus, as I think about Peter and his journey there in the lake with you, I think about another instance where you called him out onto the water. He didn't know that was coming this day when you were just asking him to push out into the deep. He didn't know that someday he would actually take some steps on the water with you. But Lord, you knew. And Lord, I believe, my own personal conviction, you knew that he would fail. But you called him anyways because that was not going to be the end of his story. But there were lessons to be learned, vital lessons as a leader of your church. And so Jesus, may we know that you have much more in store than we can see right now. And may we know that no matter where you lead us, whether we succeed or fail, you will never leave us. Because when you call us to go into the deep, you don't tell us to go without you. You always take us with you into the deep. Thank you for your presence that never leaves us, that empowers us and saves us. Would you take a moment now just to talk to Jesus in silent prayer?
Now as we go, let's go out into the deep with Jesus. Stay humble before him and trust him. God bless you.